Turn your Bible to Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk. This is one of the prophets in the Old Testament about which very little is known. He preached just before the captivity and it seemed like God had given a vision or an oracle that judgment was coming. Habakkuk was a very nationalistic man who loved his nation Israel. He recognized that the judgment hand of God would be a nation that knew nothing about God and cared less. It's almost as if he has an argument with God at the beginning, saying, Lord, I don't understand how you could allow a nation who is less godly than we are to come in and punish us. And then God said, Habakkuk, you just be quiet. I'm going to show you a work that you would not understand even if I told you. But you stand on the tower and watch. And there's a very interesting verse in chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth. He would explain and say that he may read and run. But he says, he may run that readeth. You gotta get the word out, something's gonna happen. Then the last part of chapter two, where Austin read a little while ago, but the Lord is in his holy temple that all the earth keeps silence before him. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigianoth, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. The word revive or revival is mentioned in the Bible about 12 times. It's only mentioned twice in the New Testament because when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, it was the anticipation of the Holy Spirit, the church being continual revival 365 days a year, 52 weeks a year, seven days a week, all the time. The early church was indeed in a revival. The Bible says in Acts, the Lord added daily to their church those that believed. There are certain things that hinder spiritual power. Missing church attendance, certain types of entertainment, letting down the spiritual standards, too much levity, carelessness concerning our closest friends, strange music, rock and roll music in the church, lack of a definite Bible study. William Graham has taken Billy Graham's place as director of the Billy Graham Evangelist Association. They published the Decision Magazine. 
This month, the Decision Magazine is dedicated to the danger that America faces from Islam, from the Mohammedan religion. There's a copy of it on the table by the library. I encourage everybody to read that. If you get it in your home, be sure to read it and pass it on to others. The whole world is facing dominance by the Shia law. In certain parts of England, where much of our spiritual heritage is from, certain sections of that country are now being ruled by Shia law. Right here in America, some judges have ruled in favor of that. That surpasses our Constitution. Mark Deaver, a conference in Louisville recently, warned members of the church who live worldly, carnal lives are a serious problem in American Christianity. Many church members are deceived about their own state before the Lord. It is not right for a congregation to leave men and women made in the image of God with the impression that they are reconciled to God when the truth is that other than some decision recorded in the past, there is no evidence at all that they've been reconciled to God. Their lives don't show it. Congregations will be born composed of born-again believers, repentant sinners. When the church is made up of many people whose lives more resemble the works of the flesh than the fruit of the Spirit, the church seems more like the world than like heaven. The church's witness to the nations is subverted when you become so much like the world that they have no questions to ask. It appears that we have no hope that is better than their hope. The interesting thing is, the Bible makes it clear that revival is available. Revival is God's plan, even though revival hurts sometimes. Notice some of the places in the Bible how God brought about revival. In the days of Noah, sin was rampant. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, God repented that he had made man. He decided to destroy man from the earth. He called Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. For 120 years, Noah preached righteousness. He urged the people to come, come. They laughed at him. He was building an ark. It took 120 years to build that ark. They said, you old fool. Why, our grandparents used to talk about you building the ark. You've been doing all that all these years. There's no rain, no flood. What's rain? There'd never rained on the earth before. Noah said, God says coming judgment. We don't believe it. Couldn't, nothing could happen like that. Incidentally, I'm sure many of you are aware that we're discovering more and more that the ancient civilizations, many of them may have been as advanced as we are today. 
the original astronauts that flew across the globe, notice the pyramids. They were all lined up in a special way. And on top of the pyramid was a cone that seemed to be placed there to communicate with outer space. That was before the flood. And then one day God said, no, come in the ark. The people will not listen. He and his family went in the ark. God closed the door. It began to rain. The people land came maybe knocked on the door. Let us in, let us in. Noah might have let him in, but God had shut the door. And I want to tell you, when God shuts the door, it's shut. Nobody else can open it. When God brings judgment, it's there. There's nothing can be done about it. We may be headed for judgment. In the days of Babylon, the people thought they knew more about God, decided to build a tower that reached to heaven, symbolizing their good works. God sent the confusion of tongues, the judgment of the Tower of Babel. From then on, the languages of the earth were all diverse. At the time of the judges, people seemed to do what they thought was right in their own eyes. God sent Gideon. God sent Samuel. And God raised up men to deliver Israel after they'd gone to sin. But it was always preceded by a time of the word of God and revival. In the time of the kings, the people rebelled against God and his word. God sent the enemy nations. Assyria took over northern Israel. Babylon took over southern Israel. Be sure your sin will find you out. Whether it's the sin of individuals, the sin of a mother and daddy, the sin of a husband and wife, the sin of a family, the sin of a city, the sin of a nation, God will bring judgment. Nobody ever gets by with sin. Sin is a terrible, terrible monster. It's like a cancer that eats away at people's hearts. In the time of the captivity, God sent Isaiah. Remarkable Isaiah. When I was in the seminary, some of the liberals talked about first Isaiah, second Isaiah, and treat to Isaiah. There's only three different Isaiahs because they said one Isaiah couldn't have written all he wrote. What they don't understand is that God allowed Isaiah to be transferred in vision to see what would happen during the captivity. In chapter 40, he said, Isaiah, you give this message. Comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare is finished, her, her is accomplished, her iniquity is finished. She hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sin. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, 
Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. The rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. <clears throat> but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and run not be weary, walk and not faint. And the people repented and God blessed again. In the time of the return, and the people went back to their promised land. <clears throat> you read the book of Malachi, you read they built their own houses, they got their eyes off the main thing, they let the temple go in ruins. <clears throat> God sent Malachi to say, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. They may meet me in my house, prove me here, now I would say the Lord, if I host while I'm not open, the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. <clears throat> God promised and God gave. What about our day? in the time of the hopelessness after the crucifixion. Their hearts were dashed in pieces. Peter said, I go fishing. Those were locked in a room, scared to death because of what happened to Christ. Then all of a sudden, on a Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb and he wasn't there. God had brought him out of the grave and Jesus is alive forevermore. To God be the glory. And then a little while later, in promise of the Father, God sent his Holy Spirit. The Spirit came to encourage and bless and strengthen. That same Holy Spirit is here today He'll help us in our hurts. He'll help us in our sorrows. He'll help us in every way. In closing, I want to bring four thoughts. God knows what we need today. First of all, we need a revival of repentance. In Luke chapter 13, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In Luke 15, I say unto you, there, likewise there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Repentance means to turn. I'm going away from God. I'm going away from God. All of a sudden I turn. I'm going toward God. But on that same street, there are all kinds of people trying to pull at me to get me to go the other way. I set my face to go toward God. That's repentance. Repentance is not just being sorry. Repentance is not just what you had caught. Repentance is turning, changing, going another way. And that's what God's people need today. We need to repent of our impertinence. 
Repent of our tardiness. Repent of our lack of tithing. Repent of our careless speech. Repent of our careless living. Repent of our carelessness concerning souls. Men and women and boys and girls are dying on the way to hell. And most of us sit at home and watch television and do nothing to try to win anybody to Christ. God sent a revival of knocking on doors, going from door to door. At one time, Glendale Baptist Church was criticized. One of the boys, and Austin heard this, he was there. One of the boys who came to our church a few, about a year or so ago, we were out eating at a restaurant, his dad came in, and his dad said, I don't want my son to go to that church anymore. So when I was a boy, I lived near the church, and they came to my house every day and knocked on my door, tried to get me to go to church. You know what happened in those days? This church was filled, jammed and packed. Why? Because people dared to go out and knock on doors. One guy said, I don't want my boy to go there anymore. He's not coming anymore because that man misunderstood God's love. But many, many others came. There was a time when our college department got written up in the college paper at Western University. You know why? Because our young people were out encouraging young people at Western to come to Christ. Some of the ones in this very auditorium right now were here at that time. One of our young ladies went out and knocked on the doors and urged people at the dormitory to come. So I want you to come and hear our preacher. He spits when he preaches. And they came, and many of them got saved. At least one of them is a missionary in Japan today. Another young man is pastoring in uh, Colorado today. I'm telling you, there's no substitute for doing the first work of God. We need a spirit of repentance, a revival of repentance. Secondly, we need a revival of Bible faith. If you look in your Bible at Hebrews chapter 11, listen to this a moment. By faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Moses, by faith Rahab, by faith Gideon, Balak, Samson, Japheth, Samuel, all these subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, women received their dead, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword, but the world was not worthy of them. They were men and women of faith. God give us a revival of faith, faith in God, not carelessness, but faith. Faith is not anchored in the word, and an understanding of rationality is sometimes just foolishness. 
God grant this church the faith to do what he tells us to do. What is the wise thing? We need a revival of giving. In Luke 6, 38, listen to this. Remarkable passage. <clears throat> Give and it shall be given you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For the same measure that you meet, with it should be measured to you again. Some people say, well, I just cannot afford to tithe. It's impossible for me to tithe. Try it. Now, don't put it at the bottom of your list. Make your budget, put it at the top. When you get to the bottom, listen, I guarantee you, you won't have enough to pay our bills. But you keep on tithing. I'm talking about just 10%. Not talking about 20 or 30 or 40%, I'm talking about 10%. You keep on tithing, you'll find that God will remarkably work in such a way that your budget can be met. <clears throat> you one of the problems we have at our church, a financial problem. It's called about two things. Number one, our people are not tithing. Number two, we're not giving to missions. 10% of everything this church gets ought to go to missions. We're not able to do it right now, but we say we have too many bills. I won't tell you, the goal in my heart is this church give 50% to missions. The church I grew up in in Louisville, Walnut Street, Baptist Church, Dr. Gibson was a great man of God. <clears throat> He challenged that church to give 50% to missions. They went from 10 to 20 to 30 to 40. Finally, 50%. That became the soul winning center of Kentucky. It became a wealthy church. It became the greatest church in Kentucky. Where are they now? They're not doing that anymore. They've gone down. You heard seldom here on Wall Street. Just a handful of congregation because they've left off the first thing. I want to tell you, let's get excited about doing the thing God wants us to do. It will mean, first of all, always digging deeper in our pockets and saying, I'm going to tithe whether I think I can or not. I'm going to do it because God said to do it. You know why you don't cuss? God said, don't do it. It's easy for you to fly off the cuff and say ugly words. If you bridle your tongue, you don't do it because God said not to. You're in church today because this is the Lord's day and God says he honors that. It'd be mighty easy for you to go to sleep this morning and not come to church. The great things we do, we do because we must do them because God says to do them. <clears throat> Brother Ronnie brought out something in Sunday school this morning, very interesting. He was saying that most men commit adultery in their hearts. Most godly men do not commit physical adultery. You know why they don't? It's not because they didn't have the opportunity. It's because God said, don't do it. Don't do it. The great things we do in life, we do because God says to do it. So I encourage you, 
Let's have a revival of giving. A revival of giving. Then we need a revival of vision. In Proverbs chapter 29, 18, without a vision, the people perish. Lord, give us a vision. Mr. Rita wrote a song like that some years ago. Give me a vision. Paul said I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He had left Antioch, gone to Bithynia, he had gone to Lystra, Derby. Then he wanted to go east toward Mongolia and Korea and Japan and China. God said, wait a minute, Paul, don't go there. Oh, there's a need, don't go there, go west. He went west to Troas. In the middle of the night, he saw a vision of men from Macedonia come over and help us. The next day, they crossed the sea, the Aegean Sea, went over and landed in Philippi. Three converts. But from that little church in Philippi, the gospel began to grow in Greece. Went to Thessalonica, same thing, thrown out of town. Went down to Athens, nothing happened much. Went to Corinth, stayed there 18 months, great establishment, and churches began to grow. And then eventually, churches went west, the gospel went west, then it came back to the east, and there were missionaries in China and Japan and Korea and Mongolia today because Paul obeyed the vision and did what God said to do. God sent a revival to the Glendale Baptist Church, to each of our hearts, to this pastor. God sent a revival and let it begin in us and determine from this day on we're gonna do what God says to do regardless. You think a vision of this church reaching people again. Sunday after Sunday, somebody coming down the aisle. Thank the Lord for those who have come recently, some by baptism, some by membership. Let's go get others and bring them in. One day, many years ago, I stood in this pulpit. I said, we need additional staff. One of the men came to me after and said, we don't need another state, we, we can't afford it. I said, we can't afford not to. We got additional staff, Lonnie Mattingly. Now listen, everybody didn't like Lonnie. One man moved his membership. But Lonnie visited and visited, and people got saved, and our church grew and reached untold numbers of people. Same thing true and true each time we had a staff member. God gave us a vision of a church ablaze of fire going up with Christ after the lost. Let's do it because God said to do it. And when we do that, just because God says to do it, God will bless. There's no end to what can happen. 
Lord, send the revival. And let it begin in me, yes, but in us. Those gathered in this place today, give us a new vibrancy, a new understanding of God's plan, God's purpose. Let's do it. Habakkuk said, Lord, I've heard your speech, and I was afraid. You think of that. When I read that, I sometimes laugh. Why in the world would Habakkuk be afraid? He was afraid to do what God said to do. What did God say? He said, Habakkuk, you write that vision that I'm giving you. Write it that made me run with it. Habakkuk said, I'm afraid, Lord. I heard your speech. O Lord, revive thy work. In the midst of the years, bring revival. And God did it. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the goodness of God. We pray for the hand of God upon this church. Lord, send revival, a spirit of understanding that we must go forward, whatever it means. And Lord, if it means giving more so we can pay the debt at Cave Mill, help us to do it. If it means selling that property so we can do more here, then help us to do it. Help us to do what God says to do, not what we want. May the Holy Spirit guide us in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. What's the name of our song? 163, only trust him. 163, come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. He will surely give you rest by trusting his word. As we sing this hymn, listen, the invitation is open for anybody who will come to Christ. Jesus was God tabernacling human flesh. He came and said, come. Come unto me, I'll give you life, I'll give you forgiveness, I'll give you a home in heaven if you'll come to me. If you remember, if in some other church, God wants you here, you do what God says while we sing, while we pray. You do what God says.